This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to The Twilight Show, with me, Graham Stanley, based in Mexico City. Today's guest, the first of 2024, is Patricia Laura Orbona, a teacher, teacher trainer, based in Argentina. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Happy New Year, everybody. My guest today, as I said in the introduction, is Patricia Laura Orbona, who is a teacher based in Argentina and who specializes in segmental and super supra segmental phonology and applied drama. She is a teacher, trainer, and international lecturer, and she's the founder and head of Ludo Drama, a group of teachers whose main concern is to enhance the art of teaching, mainly, I believe, through drama, as the name suggests. I'm really looking forward to talking to Patricia, um, and I hope she'll be here very soon. In the meanwhile, uh, here's a message from our sponsors. Bet UK is just two weeks away. Are you ready to join 30,000 attendees, 600 plus exhibitors on seven content stages from 120 countries and see Louis Theroux, Dame Darcy Bustle, Jason Arde, Laura Carner, Baroness Luella Benjamin, Dan Fitzpatrick, Mr. POCT, and so much more. I might need to bring my trainers. The best part? Educators go free. Get your ticket now at uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more. Hello, everybody, and you're back with me, Graham Stanley, based in Mexico City, on the Twilight Show. It's Saturday, the 6th of January, 2024. And I'm still waiting for my guest, Patricia Laura Orbona, who I'm expecting to, (coughs) 
excuse me, I have a little bit of a cold. I'm expecting her to be along very shortly. Um, we met earlier today in Podbean, and so I know that technically things are fine. So I'm hoping that Patricia will be with us very soon. Now, Patricia, as I said before, um, is a teacher, teacher, educator, and lecturer, and she's very interested in something called ludodrama. So she's interested in using drama to help students with language learning, I believe. And I'm looking forward to talking to her about that. Um, innovative education is what it's all about. And that's the topic of our show today, which will be educational change through innovation and other things. And so I'm hoping that uh, that she'll be with us very soon. Let me just check with her. Sending her a message now to see if she can join. <coughs> to see if she can join. And hopefully Patricia will be with us. As I said, I was able to speak to Patricia earlier today. And there seems to be something wrong with the link. Ah, oh, I'm surprised, especially as usually when uh, she says she's in. Patricia, I can't see you. I'm also wondering, Patricia, if you can hear me, whether um, you said you were going to join with your computer but when we did the tech check, you joined with your iPad. Because that was definitely working. And I don't seem to see you at all. I don't know if you can hear me, Patricia. But uh, you're definitely not there. <coughs> yeah, so Patricia is going to go back to using her iPad, which we know definitely worked before. Um, so I'm expecting her to be along very shortly. In the meantime, how are you all? If there's anybody out there listening, I hope you had a very good break. I hope you're able to have a break and ready to face 2024 with a vengeance, with lots of new projects and lots of um, exciting things happening, I hope, in the realm of education. Let's hope that 2024 um, is a more peaceful year than 2023, although things don't look very promising on that front. But we can always hope and wish for things. Let's hope that there aren't any more 
any more conflicts and that the conflicts that exist are um, soon resolved. I would also like to ask any of you out there listening either live or to the recording whether you would like to be a guest on my show. I'm always looking for guests and um, Patricia is someone who I who accepted a call for being a guest in December. Patricia, I believe you're here now. Okay, okay. Can you hear me now? I can hear you loud and clear. How are you? Oh, fine. Sorry for this technical problem. I'm so anxious I couldn't get to you, but now we are together. It's all right. That's the main thing. All right. Yes. So, so Patricia, I've just, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I gave a yeah. short introduction about you, but I would love to hear a little bit more about your current situation. You're a teacher, teacher educator, and lecturer um, who is based in Argentina. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you're right. Well, um, well, yes, I specialize in um, segmental and supra-segmental phonology, and um, um, I have been teaching this for ages. And I started uh, some years ago uh, at, the teacher, at the teacher training college. Um, it was amazing. Um, uh, because um, I started using uh, the traditional method, but mm -hmm. gradually I realized that um, my students needed something different. So as the students uh, should develop communication skills, yeah. um, I started thinking about drama. And uh, it was just a strategy. I didn't, I didn't need to ask for permission to the principal. And um, uh, I started small. And gradually, my students were the ones who told me that it was uh, really amazing how they could be able to use um, the, the language they know uh, in real life situations through different uh, drama activities, for example, a simulation or um, a role play. And in this way, they could use all the elements of pronunciation um, uh, we had learned during the year. Wonderful. So, yeah, really, uh, because I always think that testing um, is not good for our students. I do not mm. like testing uh, in the way it is still done today because it is the traditional way of testing. There are other more important ways, and this is one of, um, uh, one of the most important issues we need to deal in education, how to change evaluation. <clears throat> well, through this type of activities, students were able to show that uh, they have learned or what needed extra reinforcement. It was great right. for them, it was great for me. Can I ask you, Patricia, all of your students, I believe they are young adults, is that right? Yeah, right. Right, and they're studying at, is it university? Um, here in Argentina, um, students study English to become teachers at colleges. Oh, okay, so they're, so they're training to be teachers those are your the stu the students you're teaching mainly is that right yeah 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 there, okay. there are universities there are universities in which uh, students study to become teachers yes uh, this is something Great. that has been established for some years wonderful and before i get on to the details of that and 
our main subject, which uh, is educational change. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you became a teacher, Patricia. What was mm -hmm. it that attracted you to teaching and to working in education? Well, uh, when I was young, <laughs> I always uh, played teacher. Mm, I, I always loved being a teacher. Um, my toys were my students, I remember. <laughs> and um, well, when I grew up, uh, I decided to, to become a teacher and uh, I started uh, studying. And after I finish, I go on studying uh, postgraduate studies. Okay. And my, my main aim was to specialize on sounds, in sounds, because um, I think that um, pronunciation uh, is the Cinderella skill in language learning, like listening. And uh, through my spe specialization and now the, um, the um, uh, workshops I'm delivering everywhere, I'm showing the teachers how important it is to teach pronunciation and to consider speaking and listening together. Today, listening is set aside. And one important fact is that English today has become an international language. This means that we cannot go on teaching English with a traditional model. We don't, today, we don't need accuracy. We need intelligibility. So mm -hmm. with, this, with this saying that, um, uh, it was really before becoming an innovative teacher, I started thinking that something different was needed. I didn't want to go teaching traditionally because I was taught to be traditional at college. And um, I wanted to, to, to step outside the comfort zone. Uh, so when I started working with uh, young students and I started trying different ways of approaching teaching, I realized or I understood what my students really needed. That's right. Today, I, I feel so satisfied because I know that innovating is very important. But um, there are many teachers uh, around the world that still consider the traditional model uh, important, and it is very difficult to get rid of. I'm working on this, and I realize that although many teachers know that the traditional model is outdated, and it is not helping students to become effective learners, it is still present. The problem is that we have a system that is still traditional in many countries. But although mm. we are part of a system, we can introduce changes. Why not? Of course. And so your approaches were developed as a reaction against the kind of teaching that you um, you experienced both when you were becoming a teacher, but also at school. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. Because you know that we have been having this uh, traditional model for ages, and it is anachronic, it is old fashioned. But you know that in general, governments are not, are not usually interested in, in education. And uh, I think that we educators are responsible for uh, introducing transformation, change, renovation, revamping, etc. But we are never consulted. So yes. um, we start, we can start changing um, uh, in the classroom. I, I always say that the stage of change is the classroom and we are agents of change and we have a very important mission in society. We are not just teachers, we are educators, social yeah. educators. And do you think a lot has changed in your context in Argentina during the, you know, um, 
since when you started becoming a teacher. Have you seen lots of change and and also related to that? Do teachers have a lot of flexibility when it comes to what they teach in schools? Well, here, um, education is not normally taken, taken into account by different governments. We have been having different governments. But the thing is that we, at school, can start introducing changes. For example, that, of course, that education is not the same that the one um, we used to have when I started studying at college. Of course, there has been evolution, but we are in the 21st century and still we need a, we, we need a lot of uh, innovation, renovation, transformation. And sometimes it is very difficult to uh, introduce changes because um, um, headmasters or headmistress at different institutions are traditional. So for me, it is very difficult to introduce or to invite um, their, uh, their staff to, uh, to listen to me <laughs> because although they want, if the principal says, no, not here, well, I'm not allowed. And it is a pity because I think that today we need a change of attitude. We cannot go on using something that we know that is not um, it's not helping students at all. So do you think, Patricia, that the resistance to change is main, mainly lies with the heads or is it a combination of the government or the teachers who are reluct re reluctant to change? Where is it? is it? Is it across the board that change is something that in education is hard to implement or is it one particular group of people, like you said, the, the headmasters, the headmistresses, the principals? Well, no, I think that um, um, there are two important factors. The government, that um, there is no help, and also uh, teachers, hmm? teachers, because uh, when you decide right. to change, eh, you step outside the comfort zone. But when you remain inside, everything is easier because everything is, there is no change. You, you all, always do the same. Your classes are predictable. And, and you know that students have been complaining uh, for ages, because they are always saying that they do not like the way they are learning. In spite of that, um, they are not listened. Many teachers do not listen to them. But today, as we are in a period of transformation, students have the opportunity to see traditional teachers and innovative teachers. So in this way, they can see the difference. For example, my students at college always tell me, of course, what do you prefer to teach like a traditional teacher? When you when you become a professional or do you prefer to be an innovative of course they say innovative teachers they want to know changes they want to know new strategies because they are young and they are uh, eager to learn uh, new possibilities in in teaching and learning and I, I think that we are responsible for that too yeah and patricia you you mentioned this a little bit that uh, you think teachers are not that open to changing how they teach because um, it's easier to teach along traditional methods a lot to keep on doing the same things you've done and learned how to do when you were a teacher. So what is the key, do you think, to to change, to encouraging teachers to change, to showing them that it isn't as hard as they may think, um, that it is easy to to adopt changes and new innovative practices? What's the key to actually showing teachers that is possible? I think that the, the, the main problem that we are having at the moment that teachers are teaching to the test because you know that um, uh, the students even have mock tests. So right. these type of examinations are not real. So 
So the students just get a grade or a mark, and that's the end of uh, end of story. And um, what we need in the classroom is to teach to communicate. We need to help our students in the case of English, of course. Uh, we need to teach them how to communicate effectively using the English language, how to become effective users of English. They do not want to have tests one after the other. And besides, the way they are taught, when they when teachers follow the traditional model, I always say that the bulimia syndrome takes place. This means that the teacher explains, students study, and then they regurgitate contents. And then that right. information is forgotten after a few days. Why? Because I always say content that is not applied is content that is not learned. An important part of, of, of learning is missing today, and it is the utility of what they are learning. Sometimes students say, uh, 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 why can I use this? Why are we learning this? Or what is the use of learning this? They are curious about it. And probably they get an explanation, but that is not enough. Why? Because today what is important is to learn by doing, hands-on learning. The students should be directly involved in the process of learning. Today's students are very dependent on teachers. And what one of our main aims is to help them become independent. When they become independent, they, they are agents of change. They can reflect on their own changing, to, uh, on their own uh, learning. And um, in many cases, when you speak about metacognition, metacognition is something that is a, a very valuable tool in the classroom and it's not as common as it should be. Because when we give the students voice, okay, let's talk about your way you are learning. What are your weaknesses and what are your strengths? Tell me about them, please. And there I get a lot of information to improve my own teaching and they also get information to improve their own learning. I think that this is the way of teaching and learning nowadays. It's right. not a question of repeating like a parrot. Yeah. And so do you think that part of the problem is that teachers feel like they um, are themselves being tested by the results that their students get yeah. in tests and oh, that wow. provides a kind of negative loop if you like so they feel that they have to above everything else make sure that as many yeah. students as possible pass the tests that they set so that's the root of the problem yes you are a good teacher when all students pass examinations you know this is what happens in the traditional model there is no reflection. I think that we need to reflect, metacognitive reflection is very important with colleagues because when we reflect, we can learn from one another. We can uh, share practices. And if we're having a problem in the classroom, we can share it with our colleagues and find a solution together. The problem is also that we are not used to working together. Each teacher is normally in um in her room and in the classroom and uh, they have few opportunities to meet and discuss together and i think that this should become more frequent we, we don't have time we can do it on saturday but you you know that on saturday i'm busy mm, these are uh, what we normally say mm, but meeting and discussing the problems or the the, the achievements we have in our classrooms mm, may help a lot may help us a lot Yes. And I think you've you've mentioned a key factor here as well that is important to take into account and probably a big reason why um, 
systems don't change, teachers don't change, is the lack of time, isn't it? Because teachers um, are usually very, very busy. And I know in Argentina, many teachers have several uh, jobs that they have to do, and they don't really have a lot of time to to be able to explore new um, practices, perhaps. Would yes, that be yes. fair to say? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, we, we are having an, an important economic crisis, uh, crisis at the moment. And uh, But anyway, uh, teachers um, have different jobs and probably there is no time and um, to for professional development or to um, become more, more updated. But the thing is that the system is responsible for this because as you belong to this system and the government indicates that this is the way you should uh, you should work in the classroom well yes we, we we do not have the opportunity to say okay let's stop and rewind let's start again uh we hope that in the future we will have other possibilities as regards education uh, some years ago here in argentina um we the, the government decided to implement um um learning ba uh, uh, project-based learning uh, and I was an active member of that. Um, it was in uh, 2018. And um, by the end of 2019, after two years, we realized that the, the results were great. The students feel, felt more comfortable because they could work together and they, le they learned more, comfort more comfortably because they could share what they were learning with their peers. And the, the, the way they were evaluated was different, but then the government changed and uh, this disappeared. So today we need to concentrate on active methodologies. This is the key today in education, active methodologies. Let the students do, let the students be, you become a facilitator. And uh, in this way, you can see their progress. Hmm? You, you are a monitor at the moment. You are no longer an instructor as a teacher. And of course. Uh, we should give them the opportunity to uh, to become the, the the main the main actor in the classroom, hmm? they should yes. be active. So, moving on to that, um, Patricia, I know you're uh, you mentioned it before, but we also talked earlier that mm. you're a great believer in active learning and, mm. in particular, drama. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about this ludo drama, the group that you you lead, I believe, yeah. and yeah. how you got involved with that. <clears throat> well, yes, um, I created this crop um, about uh, 14 years ago um, because with my students at college, um, there was a special section in my classes devoted to drama. Hmm? So they prepare short scenes and yeah. um, uh, well, then we discussed, we used to have a metacognitive reflection and, and after that, uh, other institutes got interested in the, in the plays huh, that um, the students were creating year after year. So I decided to create this group. This group is a group of innovative teachers uh, whose main aim is to, uh, to improve um, uh, quality education. And um, well, today uh, I go around the world after the pandemic, uh, uh, people from Asia discovered me because they didn't know anything about drama and they wanted to know what, what this is about. And um, 
uh, they thought that it was, for example, a, a short play at the end, let's say, uh, not all of them, but in general, uh, they, they, they wanted to know how a drama could be implemented in the classroom. Uh, well, I always say the drama is full of magic because um, when I started studying drama, I became another person. Why? Because um, it gave me flexibility, uh, energy, and a different perspective in teaching. Um, why? Because I always say that drama is the tool because it has a holistic approach. It is the only tool that um, may help students become effective users of English over any language or effective communicators um, in any situation uh, because most of the activities involve conversations, role-based exchanges. The students are, are, are using the language permanently. And something else that is very important, drama also includes non-verbal language. Of course. This uh, non-verbal language is usually ignored. It's not even taught in the mother tongue. And it is very important, especially when you are learning a foreign language, because um, it provides a lot of information. For example, uh, in the case, I always say that a pronunciation, as I said before, includes both speaking and listening. And when we are using drama, listening and speaking go together. Why? Because um, students become active listeners. This means that they are not only listening to the words expressed by um, uh, the interlocutor, they also pay attention to what is not said. They say the unsaid, the tone of voice and intonation. Mm? Uh, this means that students learn to listen with their ears and also with their eyes. Experts say that, uh, in general, people are not good listeners because we listened with intent to reply, not to understand. So we drama as listening is an important component because it is part of communication and it cannot be separated from, from, mm. uh, from speaking, they learn that. So and how, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Patricia, for interrupting, yeah. but how do you teach active listening with students? Is that something you can teach or um, how would you approach it with combining active well, listening with drama? They, they discover many things uh, when, when, um, when we use drama. Because um, what is listening, I may ask? What is listening? Listening to words, they say normally, or understanding mm. words. But do you listen or do you see only words? And they start thinking. Because uh, I love learning by discovery. Uh, I, I try to guide them to give me the answers. I, I never give them full answers. I, I, I want them to think. And they yeah. discover that when, for example, for, imagine I say, you ask me a question and I didn't, uh, and I don't add a word. I say, pardon? But that silence is meaningful. So right. pay attention to these details. When we are having a conversation, there are many, many elements that are usually ignored or probably they are so, so common that they are ignored. But it is a mistake because um, when we are having um, a face-to-face -face conversation, 
we have eye contact. Eye contact is essential. I cannot uh, speak to you if I'm checking my 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 phone, for example, my messages. Of course. Um, that, of course, that it, it would be impolite. But anyway, they discover how to listen actively, how to direct their attention to the words. Something very important that is not taught either, because listening is not part of teaching English, is that a big distinction between content and structured words. This information should be given when students start learning the language, and it's usually not given, or it is given at a theoretical level, but it is not applied. So I always tell them, when we are speaking, not all the words are important. So concentrate on those which are providing the meaning that you need to understand what is being said. And okay, well, content words are those which are meaningful. And how, how can you discover them? They are highlighted, for example, I show them the importance of intonation when I change the meaning while I produce the same utterance. For example, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. So by uttering the same uh, idea, I'm changing the meaning using that. So when these students start practicing hmm, this type of intonation and tone of voice, for example, uh, I may tell them, okay, uh, tell me that it is your birthday, but you are afraid, huh? full of fear. Come on, say it. Well, you know, at the beginning, it's a bit difficult for them because it, it's my birthday today. Let's have a party. Well, you are afraid. You are terrified because it is your birthday. Come on, what would you say? It? And they have fun and they learn this naturally. That's why I love the drama, really. That's really interesting. I like that idea. It makes them think as well. It, giving them that task to do would um, would give them um, would 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 ask them to try to understand what it would be like and why um, someone might be afraid if it was their birthday. Uh, yeah. Etc. So I think that uh, is good for stimulate the imagination as well. And so, are, are a lot of the drama activities that you suggest teachers use or that you use, Patricia, are they kind of exercises like this, or do you actually also look at using some kind of story level drama, like a little mini plays or whatever? Is that something that is useful? Do you think to yes, help? Of course. Students? Yes, it helps a lot. Yes, yes, yes. They, well, for example, depending on the level they can create with my college students, uh, when I studied uh, with drama, uh, they, I, I guided them uh, because it was important for me to let them create their own stories. And uh, well, they prepared their scripts, I corrected them, and then they performed them. And it was great. They got very engaged. There was a lot of more intrinsic motivation because um, uh, it was really interesting to see how engaged they were when they were when when preparing um, the different scenes, costumes, etc. Mm? So, and this is important because um, motivation is uh, the engine for learning. If you are not motivating, you will never learn. Yes. So when you it's give them, point. yeah, when you give them. Uh, activities or strategies in which they are directly involved and they can see that they are learning, they enjoy what they are doing. 
And this is great because uh, we are always by their side and they know that we are supportive, mm, that we are approachable, that mistakes are welcome, that the, that the classroom becomes a laboratory where there is a lot of trial and error. Uh, they experiment with the language. So um, mistakes are not uh, punishment. They do not mean punishment. Um, we shouldn't interrupt students when they are, for example, describing something or telling a story because uh, sometimes we cannot help this and we interrupt. For example, yesterday uh, I go um, to, to the park. Oh, sorry, no, it's not go. It's, it is went. Remember that we learned this. Okay, repeat, go, went. And then you, you say, okay, go on. Oh, the student, all the idea the students have thought before vanished. So we also need to know how to correct effectively. I know that uh, uh, it is difficult to wait hmm, um, till the student finishes, but I think that it is important to mm -hmm. To, see, uh, to change our behavior because when they, they, they realize that they can commit mistake, no problem. You were able to, to, to say something, although it was not correct. For example, do you want anything else? No, I don't want nothing. Okay, so if I say, I don't want nothing, do you understand? Yes, you understand. But you immediately detect that there is a grammar mistake. Huh? In English, we say we don't want anything, right? Well. The correction is afterwards, um, or we may suggest this mm, in different ways. But the idea is to let them speak, even if they commit mistakes, because mistakes come and go, mm, and they uh, they open to door to knowledge, eh, to understanding. So let them commit mistakes, no problem. They are welcome. Yeah, I think that's important, isn't it? I think one of the best things and one of the things that a teacher needs to do early on is to provide an environment within the classroom where students are comfortable um, and they feel secure enough to make mistakes because as you say without making mistakes then um, if, if students are afraid to make mistakes then they won't actually experiment enough to learn sufficient language will they? Of course, of course, they need to experiment with language. That's the exact words. All right. And for this, as you said before, the environment, the climate is very important. I cannot start a class saying, good morning, sit down, open your books. Now, this was the way uh, uh, teachers used to start classes with me uh, in my classroom. This has changed, but still we have these cases. Uh? Why? Because before starting, drama advises not to start a lesson without some warm-ups. Mm -hmm. And I use these warm-ups with my students, and they work perfectly well. Some breathing, eh? some uh, physical mm -hmm. stretching, mm -hmm. singing, whatever, whatever, before starting. So I can connect doing and thinking. They are, the, the brain is better prepared for the process of learning. We should remember that learning is a supreme act, and the students should be prepared for, yeah. for this process. And Patricia, what about students who may be a little bit shy how would you get them to open up and to feel confident enough to share with the activities that you're suggesting well uh, of course that i have i have had uh, shy students but at the beginning they said sorry patricia but i won't be able to take part in, in in this play because you know i'm shy worry you will don't worry take your time and i always remember 
a, a girl, well, it was a, a young lady, a young girl, um, who said, no, sorry, but I won't. And I said, don't worry, you will. And she um, <clears throat> took the role of a, of a naughty girl in a play. Ah, it was a success. That play was a success. And mm. she couldn't believe herself. It was really great. So you see, well, drama is therapeutic. Mm? Many people yeah. need some therapy and specialists recommend drama to have drama classes. Yeah. And at the beginning, they resist. But then when they start, they realize that uh, it does good. It is important. Yeah. It sounds also like um, in the case of that girl you were talking about, um, she learned a lot more than just the language. She learned things about herself that she felt perhaps she wasn't capable of uh, yeah. until she she was in your class, which is, is always really interesting to see, isn't it, when some student sort of, changes because of of that i think one of the things i quite like about language learning and teaching is that students you see students adopt different personalities sometimes when they're learning a different language don't they yeah yeah it's true but the thing is as i said before it's not when you are a teacher uh, you're not just um uh, teaching content it's not just mm? i always say that the content is the vehicle mm? but there are more important aspects uh, in the classroom that should be taken into account. For example, uh, social relationships. I cannot start a class if I say, oh my God, I have this course again, it is Monday, I hate those students. No, something is happening. I need to find out the problem that is there. I need to, to speak with them. I, I need to give them, a, uh, to give them voice. Okay, let's have some reflection, right? Because it will be impossible to teach and to learn. So. Failure is, is, is present, so I should avoid mm. that. And did you, Patricia, have any role models, uh, teachers that you had in school or afterwards that were important to you, that showed the kind of um, teaching that you have gone on to do, or was it just a complete reaction against the teachers that you had? Well, um, well, I had great teachers at college, really great. I always remember them. But of course, they were traditional. I understood the way, the way they taught because mm, that was the way that was uh, present at the time. Um, but of course, I have other role models that, have, that, that are changing, are changing education at the moment. And um, it is interesting when we, when we get together and share because we have we are like-minded. Eh? We share the same ideas and we find um, different possibilities within the classroom. What can we do um, uh, for this particular topic? In what way do you think the students can be directly involved? And I think that getting together is great. We shouldn't work individually. Eh? One of the characteristics of drama is cooperative work. Uh, learning is a social process. This is something that is not understood or is not taken into account by the traditional model. The students cannot learn individually. Eh? And you know that they remain seated eh, at their desks listening to the teacher. Oh my God, no, they won't be able to, 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 to learn properly. Students need to be connected. They need to, to work together. And the same happens with teachers. Need, teachers need to be, uh, to be connected, to work together, and in this way, enrich one another. That's the, the, the new trend. That's the way of being effective uh, mm -hmm. in teaching and learning. Yeah, I suppose 
Yeah, of course, of course. I suppose with drama, it lends itself if if you're looking at doing something like a little play or whatever, it lends itself for teachers to collaborate to actually um, put on a play with several different classes. And the way that in a lot of schools, plays are done um, collectively across classes, not just one class performing a play for another yeah. class. That's something yeah. I, I would imagine is is good to encourage. Yeah, yes, it's true. And for example, in many um, schools around the world, uh, project-based learning is is used with great success. It is one of the act, the active methodologies. And for example, one way of um, finishing a project is uh, a play. The students um, uh, use the content or the contents they have learned and then they represent that through a play. For example, suppose, uh, it is very funny this, but um, we have been talking about different the, the cells we have in, in, in our bodies. So I say, okay, let's have a role play uh, in which two cells are at a bar and they are having a conversation and they are talking about their functions in the human being. Uh, I'm a neuron and you are um, um, a skin cell. Let's start a conversation. Mm -hmm. And they are using what they have learned, but in a different way. It's not, okay, recite the lesson. It's not a question of reciting a lesson. It's to be involved. And they have a conversation like that. Okay, you know, the neuron may say, oh, you know, I'm important. I'm important because I'm in the brain. And the other says, well, yes, you are important, but I'm in the whole body. You are not. You are restricted to a part of the, <laughs> of the body. So um, the students may, may react in this way. And they have fun while they learn. It is not difficult to work like this. But no. what you need is to change your attitude, hmm? to yeah. change your approach. It's not repeating hmm? and something that is fixed in which there is yeah. no change, always the same. And it's um, it's mm. all about what I really believe is important in that teaching and learning should all be about creating memorable experiences. Um, I remember the things that made more most of an impression on me when I was uh, at school, for example, were things that the teacher did that were very out of the ordinary. I had a French teacher who was very innovative, for example, mm -hmm. and I remember she uh, did lots of role play. She approached her classes with a lot of humor. We watched f uh, sections of French films that were quite... Um, uh radical for the time when i was at school and these were all memorable experiences that uh are important i look back at that and that's what i remember as being key moments uh, in my educational life at least well that's great because it, it was not just reading a lesson and then repeated like a parrot repeating it like a parrot so this is important so great for that teacher that was great exactly what about yourself? How did you get a sort of taste for language, for English in particular? Is it something that came naturally to you? Is it something that you were motivated to to learn and to practice because of family or friends, or was it at school? No, it, it was that one day I I realized I was young, and uh, my mother told me, "Okay, um, I had a, a brother, and he had studied studying English before me two years before." 
And uh, she told me, okay, now it is your time to start studying English. Yes, I said, okay. And um, I studied in the School of English. And uh, when I came back home, my mother said, how oh, did you like it? Oh, mom, thank you. It was great. Well, I had a, an extraordinary teacher. Eh? And uh, I, I started liking English because of that teacher, the way she taught. And right. she was traditional. Eh? She was traditional, but it was so sweet, so approachable, so supportive. I loved her immediately. <laughs> yeah. I always tell her about that. Wonderful. The role model. The, yeah. Exactly. The role models are so important, aren't they? To, to, to be a good role model, to approach your classes with... Uh, with a with the right kind of attitude to want to be able to teach, it's so important to have that kind of teacher if you if you want learning to to happen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I think that uh, it is vocation, hmm? inspiration. Exactly. Um, you cannot teach if you if you haven't got vocation. If you decide to take up this career, it's because um, besides uh, liking teaching, of course. It's vocation, determination, commitment, because I always yeah. say you are, you are not just an instructor, you are an educator. It's not just uh, uh, teaching contents. It's much more than that. Oh, yeah. You're, as, we've, as you mentioned, the effects that you can have on, on young people um, beyond just the, the content that you're teaching, that you've given a few examples already, Patricia, but I think it's so important that uh, you know you can positively or negatively affect the lives of the, uh, if they're children in particular, but even young people, uh, young adults who are under your supervision, or who are under your care. Really, there's that kind of duty of care that extends itself beyond making sure they're safe and learning content, but making uh, making them. Um, almost into better people, aren't they? Yeah. The thing is that, again, we, ca we go back to the system. The system tells them to pay attention to their grades because they are successful if they get good grades. And this is a big mistake because we never take into consideration their efforts. So when they fail, we normally say, okay, try harder, or I will give you another opportunity. But we never ask, well, tell me, what is your problem? Why do you think that uh, you have failed twice, for example. It is important to have a conversation with students. Sometimes I understand that we have crowded classes and this is not um, possible practically. We cannot do this uh, every class. But the thing is that we, we need to find the way because the students get frustrated, uh, disappointed, and they tend to quit. And I always tell my students, you are my audience. Without you, I'm nothing. Okay, so let's share what your problems are. Let's talk together because uh, if we uh, understand each other, we will be able to improve, as I said before, uh, your, your learning and my teaching. So I think yeah. that teaching and learning form a binomial. They are inseparable and both of them should work perfectly well to be successful. Yeah. And what you said about this passing and failing comes comes back to uh, goes back to the, the the things you were talking earlier about testing and how it can be very damaging as if only you know if the students feel they're only being measured if you like on whether they pass or fail something um, that can be very demotivating content 
course, it is demotivating because I always say that a mark cannot decide your future or your fate. Hmm? Let's analyze why you failed. Hmm? So uh, learning by discovery, uh, the students discover mistakes hmm, uh, by themselves. And this is important. Okay, tell me, well, here you have committed this or that mistake. And remember that mistakes are common to many students. So when I have a test and I discover that many students have failed, hmm, I know that I should devote a class to dealing with those mistakes because many of them are common. Okay, I can write something on the board. Okay, why do you think here there is an important mistake? So they start hmm, giving their opinions. Now, I think that this is, this, okay, till, till they get the, 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 the final answer. I think that it is a sort of um, discussion, a roundtable discussion that they need because in this way, they learn to share, they learn to, um, to exchange <clears throat> different opinions, they share different strategies, different styles of learning, they learn a lot. So as I said before, the content is just the vehicle. There are many other aspects hmm, that are moving around the content that may help them become uh, better, uh, better learners, because this is the idea. We want them to be successful learners. So if they are not, what's the problem? Probably it is my problem because the strategies I'm using are, are not the right ones. So I need to, to, to check them and see what I can do. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And um, Patricia, what about other types of educational change you think are necessary? So is it necessary, do you think, to change the kind of school system or the school itself? There's a lot, um, not a lot has changed in most schools for many, many years, for example. They still look the same. I always remember there's a quote, I can't remember who it's from, but uh, there's a quote uh, that someone said that if a, um, if a time traveller, um, you know, went 100 years in the, from the past to the present day, they would walk into a hospital and they would be amazed and they wouldn't really recognize most of what was happening in the hospital because of all the changes that had yeah. taken place the technology and but not only the technology just the way it looks and the way that people are treated and all sorts of things and the same time traveler walked into a school they would say hmm it's a school yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and i yeah. think um i'm trying to remember the name of the person who said that but i think it was quite in interesting i think there have been changes in some schools but in most schools they still look like they did a hundred years ago to a certain extent don't they yeah yeah i know this story well it's true it's true the thing is that uh, many teachers may tend to say well i use technology and by using technology they understand that they are innovating no no uh, technology is just a tool mm? and i always say that um uh, technology should be, should adapt to the school. Hmm? Um, not the, the students should not be adapted to technology. This is a big mistake. And uh, I insist that technology is a passive tool and students hmm, have been uh, seated for ages listening to teachers. So technology invites them to sit and be in front uh, of a screen. I tell teachers, okay, you can use technology because I use technology, but in my classroom, I prefer students 
uh, moving all the time, doing different activities, hmm? uh, experimenting with language. When I use uh, technology, at the end, okay, suppose that they watch a film or uh, they listen to a song. Okay, let's go to, uh, to reality. Let's go back to reality. And now how could you represent what you have seen or what you have heard um, in a drama scene, for example? Hmm? We start thinking about this and in this way the period they remained seated hmm, is changed to something active because the brain needs movement when uh, the person is learning when the student is learning without movement learning does not take place so neuroscience has given us lots of information that is important and those schools that are changing take into consideration all the very valuable information that neuroscience uh, has been uh, giving us for, for a long time. For example, it has been scientifically tested that students do not learn by um, uh, repeating hmm? like a parrot. They learn by doing. Another important uh, information that should be taken into account is that today we know that the, the brain is flexible, that it can adapt to new learning. And something, another important information that we need to consider in the classroom is that two important emotions should always be present in the classroom, motivation and curiosity. If you don't want your classroom to be predictable, well, bring something that arises a student's curiosity. For example, before leaving the, the classroom, um, write um, an intriguing question on the board or leave hmm, a strange object on your desk. As soon as you leave the classroom, the students are already curious because they want to know about that object or they want to get information about the question on the board. So you see that simple ideas provide mm, lots of activities. It is yes. simple. It's a question of decision. Hmm. Yeah, I like this idea mm. of um, making sure that you're in touch with changes and keeping up with things like, uh, you know, what we know about the brain and about learning and teaching, because it is changing all the time. And it, it goes back to what we said earlier, though, about teachers may, may not have time to keep up with all of that. But I think it's important for teachers to try and find time to be able to understand how to do that. I also wanted to pick pick up on something you said about technology, actually, because I'm, I'm a big fan of using technology in education. But I do understand, I think it's important to recognize that there's a kind of passive technology where you know you're using technology that students aren't actually engaging with other than just watching or listening to something like watching listening to a song or watching something on a screen but also there's a very active way tech type of technology that can be used very actively in particular with language learning that I'm a big fan of is for example I've noticed if you record uh, a student speaking either audio or using video and i would imagine this lends itself very well for drama as well there's a kind of sense of importance to that moment that you can um 
<clears throat> insist upon or you can you can make present so the students can often if they're doing drama for example or saying something that is being recorded they feel it's can often be made to feel that it's more important because it's being recorded even if nothing much is doing is being going to be done with the recording um but of course you can do a lot more with the recording you, they, even if it's just if they listen to themselves or watch themselves they can learn a lot from from that but i think that type of technology uh video recorders audio recorders voice recorders cameras etc i think can be used to great effects uh, in in education yes no doubt of course yes and i use um audio recording for example when they have to learn the the lines of, of a script or for yeah. example just reading okay listen to yourself did you like it did you like the way you read and, and they may say well i think and they are waiting for me to say something it was good and some others may say no i, uh, I didn't like it why you didn't yeah and it's... then they they give their impressions and, and i'm very yeah. interested in knowing their impressions because in that way they can improve themselves yeah then i give and... them more feedback Yes, and they could also become more self-aware of how they sound as well, can't yeah. they? Because it's very unusual for us to actually listen to ourselves. Yeah. Um, and language learners, I think, get have this impression of how their language level is, with which is often based on not actually listening to the actual language they produce. So I think finding giving them opportunities to actually listen to themselves or in the case of its video to watch themselves um, can be very um, very important I think for them to self-correct because uh, yeah. you have a lot of students I think who think that they speak a lot worse than they actually speak and vice versa the students who feel that they speak very well and then when they listen to themselves they can be trained to spot their mistakes etc or things like that. And I think that can be a very important tool. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. No, no, no need to no. apologize. No, no. Yes. No, I'm now listening. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, Patricia, we've, <coughs> we've talked quite a lot about drama and making changes and Teacher, the need for teachers to move away from becoming traditional teachers towards yeah. embracing innovation, etc. I'd love to hear a lot more about, which I know you mentioned is a particular, uh, a very particular interest to you, is the um, the phonology and ah. segmental and supra segmental phonology. Yeah. I would love it if you could explain the difference. Yeah. Uh, what exactly is segmental and supra-segmental phonology and why is it, what is it about it that you think it's, uh, why is it important for you? Well, um, segmental refers, uh, segmental phonology refers to sounds, to the phonemes. Mm? And supra-segmental refers to what occurs beyond mm, uh, segments. That is to say, um, segmental phonology deals with the, um, the phonemes of a system, for example, the sounds, uh, the sound system of English, the sound system mm -hmm. of Spanish, yeah. and suprasegmental phonology deals with intonation, rhythm, accent, 
and highlighting that is not normally taught. For example, at college, this is taught, of course, because it is a very important component in communication, but uh, the emphasis is on the theoretical aspect and the students receive little practice. So the information is, uh, after they, they, they take the examination, the, the, the information is forgotten. When I uh, speak about this with teachers, because normally teachers are interested in phonetics and phonology because they want to know the difference because um, um, what the students, what the teachers need to know how um, pronunciation, uh, how sounds can be taught mm, um, in an integral way, because normally um, pronunciation uh, hasn't got a specific place in language teaching. It is, um, it may be just a, um, a special session in one particular class, but pronunciation versus sounds should always be present. Another mistake that we are committing at the moment, because we are still having this traditional model, is that sounds are taught individually. Hmm? So segments of phonemes are taught individually. Mm -hmm. And we know that we do not speak in individual sounds. Sounds are combined to produce words and phrases and sentences. So once the students know the system, they uh, should use them in connected speech because in connected speech they discover that there are certain phonetic processes for receptive purposes because there is no need to learn the processes that are taking place in, in connected speech. This may, uh, may occur when students have more, um, uh, more knowledge of the language but there is a big difference when, when, when words are pronounced individually and the meaning they may convey and when they are used in connected speech. And the suprasegmental uh, phonology um, helps students discover the unsaid, what is not said, that is to say the paralinguistic cues that are present that are very meaningful. Normally when we speak, every word is accompanied with an emotional load. We cannot express without producing any gesture or body movement and without expressing any emotion. It is impossible. Otherwise, we would speak like a robot. And we are not robots. We are humans. And emotions are present. Fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's why I love uh, to, to talk about this topic because it is something that is set aside and it is not important. And today, English as an international language has become more flexible. And students need to know um, the meaning they can get from what is not said, because today uh, it is the instrument of people around the world and English is spoken with an accent. So the students should become used to listening to different accents. That's why both of them are important eh? for the segmental and suprasegmental. Very interesting. I'd love to hear more about your ideas of accent and how important that is, because I think um it is something that uh can um be something that students obsess about or that no. they don't worry about no but for me it's kind of interesting because i think i've met language learners for example who are very concerned about their accent and they want to speak with a particular accent of the foreign language that they're learning and then others who are quite the opposite and they find it very yeah. difficult to to change their accent not that they perhaps need to change their accent so long as they're intelligible is that how you see it or 
what kind of view do you have about accent? What, what, what we want to know about accent that accent is our linguistic passport, mm? and uh, uh, it indicates our geographical and cultural background, and it cannot be eradicated. Uh, usually, you find uh, courses on the net telling you that you, uh, if you take up a course, you will be able to speak like a native speaker. This is a complete lie. You will never speak like a native speaker because you were not born in England. Mm? It's so, also you, it's also not a real um, important goal, though, is it? I mean, why would someone, for example, born in Buenos Aires, want to speak like someone who was born in London? It it yeah. kind of it shouldn't be a a goal that they should have, surely. But you mentioned those students who are interested in improving their pronunciation because they want to probably to 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 be near to native to the pronunciation of uh, native speakers. But the thing is that. This is my, my accent. My accent is Spanish, but it's not the Spanish that is spoken, the, the, the English that is spoken in Spain. It is the one that is spoken in Argentina. But within Argentina, there are varieties. My English has the accent that is used in the River Plate area, that is to say around Buenos mm -hmm. Aires. Mm -hmm. So you see that there is a great variety of accents around the world, and in each country, there are also more varieties. The thing is that when... Um, uh, when a, a student or a person wants to improve their pronunciation, their, their, their accent, they say that they want to improve it. That is impossible. What we can do is to improve their pronunciation. That's different. So exactly. what we can do is to help them improve their pronunciation. And in this way, they, they will become more intelligible, more fluent. But accent is something that belongs to us. It cannot be yeah. eradicated. It's something about someone's identity as well, isn't it, really? Yeah. I think it's probably only interesting to change accents if you are an actor. Uh, <laughs> well, if, if the role requires yeah. it. But otherwise, I think um, it isn't something that should be um should be something that we'd want to change so long as as you said so long as intelligibility which is more to do about pronunciation yeah. um is is uh, is a goal and experts say that you should be proud of your accent <laughs> and we shouldn't of try to, to imitate others and something very important with this uh, uh international standard of english is that not only intelligibility is important today, not accuracy. Accuracy hmm, should be out, completely out. Hmm? But comprehensibility, comprehensibility is important because today when I say, no, thank you, I don't want nothing, understanding takes place, comprehension takes place. As soon as I become more involved with people around the world using the language, I will be able to correct my mistakes. But the thing is that when I listen to people who commit mistakes when speaking i can commit mistakes eh, in speaking we all can i i commit yeah, mistakes yeah. i've spotted a couple that i've made during our conversation already that i thought actually of that course. isn't we, we right. i think it's well, normal it's normal we commit mistakes in the mother tongue why not in a foreign one <laughs> uh, but the thing is that um we cannot be accurate either in our mother tongue so it's impossible to be in one we are uh, we are using to communicate around the world. So this is information that students need to know because mm. students are told to be accurate. I think that it is a, a, a very big mistake. And at the same time, this type of big mistake helps them to become disappointed. Mm? Mm. I think it's in, I think 
whereas I, I tend to agree with you that I think fluency is definitely yeah. um, more important. I think where accuracy is, is important is when if you, you wouldn't want a student to be very fluent, but not to be uh, understood because of their mistakes. So I think there's a certain degree of accuracy that is needed, but it certainly shouldn't get in the way of um, of fluency, I think, to a certain extent, because if uh, if someone isn't fluent in a language, then the people listening to them won't have the patience to continue listening. I think that's often the case. Oh, uh, now uh, you're saying this, once a teacher, uh, I was uh, delivering a, a webinar, and one of her questions was, we were talking about this, uh, that um, accuracy was not important. And she said, but I think that grammar is important. I teach my students grammar. Well, of course that we teach grammar. But the thing is that when they are using the language and they commit mistakes, we shouldn't make a fuss. The idea is that we can uh, correct this mistake easily mm, afterwards. Mm, interruption should yeah. not be present. Of course, that if we are teaching, we, we are teaching, we are teaching the grammar. But sometimes the students find it difficult to combine, for example, if clauses or tenses, they start with the present, they go on with the past, or they use present continuous. It takes time eh, to learn a language. Mm? Yeah, it's definitely important. <coughs> Excuse me, it's important not to interrupt the students in the floor of the conversation because yeah. that can start to cause problems with fluency can't it yeah it's an obstacle all very interesting patricia so um what do you think is going to happen as far as changes in education are concerned either globally or in argentina or in a more local aspect in the next year or so do you think there are going to be changes or do you think it's it's um, going to continue to be difficult to implement innovation and change as you were suggesting earlier? Uh, well, year after year, um, more people, more, more, more educators are interested hmm, in, in changing education. So you're uh, winning yeah. the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have hope. I'm hopeful. Good, good, good. Yeah, the, the idea is that it is a process and it is a slow process. And of course, that in many cases, governments are not helping. But uh, I, I'm hopeful here in Argentina because although we are a small group and all the difficulties we are having at the moment, we are trying hard to change. We are yeah. trying hard to change. And we need to convince other teachers the importance of, of, of being different, changing their attitude, start um, uh, using uh, active methodologies. The thing is that uh, this is also happening in uh, other countries which are not having the problems we are having in Argentina, but they are so interested in changing education. They work so hard because I have been invited to different uh, schools and I can see how eager teachers are to, to, to discover changes, to, to, to revert the situation they are having at the moment, because they realize that this traditional model is not working any longer. So I want, I, I always enjoy this type of enthusiasm. I, I, I'm a great enthusiast. I want education to change uh, as soon as possible, but it takes time. It is a question, as I said before, 
of reflecting on making important decisions. But uh, at the moment, if I can do something in the classroom, well, I'm glad. But then this is contagious because I tell this to you and you may start introducing some changes you haven't and you can tell me something you are doing I have not tried yet. So you see, so transformation works like this, connecting, sharing, reflecting. So I'm so glad I'm part of this movement because I'm sure that sooner or later uh, we, we will have a new type of education because this movement of transformation is unstoppable. Yes. Trouble? Yes. Well, I'm glad to hear it. It, it sounds like you're confident that um, it's gradually moving in the right direction. That innovative yeah. teaching is starting to happen, um, which is great. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I think it's probably the right moment to start winding things up, uh, mm -hmm. Patricia. Okay. Um, I'd just like to thank you very much for um, agreeing to participate in this program. I've really enjoyed talking to you about this. Um, what kind of plans do you have for this year? I I see that you um, you meet regularly with other teachers to have discussions. I saw on your Instagram and yeah. Facebook pages that there are a number of recordings that you have. Is that something you're going to continue with this year? And, and perhaps you could talk a little bit more about uh, about what that is. Is that the Ludo Drama Group or is it something else? Well, uh, I'm doing many things at the moment, but we will go on with these uh, roundtable discussions because they are really very useful. And the participants also say that uh, they like the topics. So we try to find or, or to select those topics that are really hot at the moment. And um, uh, the thing is that, as I said before, when we get together, we reflect, we, we learn and we enrich ourselves. So this is the aim, uh, to discuss together and to find new ways of learning, taking into consideration the, the education issues we're having at the moment. And what are the hot topics, you think? What are the topics that towards the last few months you've been discussing? And perhaps what, what do you think will come up again uh, in the next couple of months? Uh, for example, uh, one of my favorite is, um, do you have students or learners in your classroom? <laughs> oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, and, okay. and, and what do you, what, what do you say to that? Well, I have learners because I'm an innovative teacher, a teacher. Why? Because when you have students, this means that they do not have the opportunity to participate actively in the classroom. Students right. uh, belong to the traditional classroom. They are passive, they are receivers of information, and they do not have the, the chance to apply what they learn in real life situations. Today, we cannot accept uh, new learning without being applied, because if it is not applied, it's not normally learned. If it is not applied, this means that the students are not directly involved in the process of learning. When you have a learner, you, um, you give the students the necessary tools, the strategies to become active participants. Hmm? So if they are active participants, they not only um, are able to apply what they learn and reflect on what they have learned, but also they have the possibility of becoming autonomous, independent learners, because they can discover how they have learned, what, uh, what, uh, advance, what uh, adjustments uh, are necessary. And this is great because we do, we do not need to tell them what they need to do. They are capable enough to discover their own weaknesses or strengths.
So mission accomplished. Once you uh, say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. That idea of, um, you know, someone can study, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're learning. Of course. They're studying, and we assume that learning uh, comes about through studying. But uh, if they're a learner, then that puts the emphasis on the actual learning, which is quite interesting. So I like that. Mm -hmm. What about what about other hot topics? You've mentioned one. What what other things have you been discussing recently? Um, for example, um, how much feedback do you give in the classroom? Feedback is something that is not oh, good yes. either. Feedback, feedback is crucial, but it's not common. Another important topic was metacognition. How often do you have? metacognitive reflection with your uh, colleagues and your students. Uh, this right. is practically not present. Metacognition is the tool to help them become autonomous precisely. Mm? Um, another one, for example, uh, smart classroom management. Normally we consider that um, classroom management are the rules that are given at the beginning of the year. Big mistake. Huh? Um, we need smart uh, classroom management in which we include uh, elements that are not usually uh, taken into account or they are taken for granted. For example, as I said before, um, the classroom climate, mm, some warm-ups before starting, um, um, to, um, to improve uh, social re relationships, that is to say, to create rapport. This is very important. Um, uh, to know the needs of the students. Uh, these are also part of classroom management that are not usually taken into account. The students receive rules, instructions, routines, and this is also part that they need to know because they can also give their own opinions. That's why giving voice yeah. and choice to students is very important because you, are, you will always be um, the, uh, we can, I don't want to use the, the term authority, but you are the, the facilitator and you will be able to um, to choose mm, the information or, or, or the opinions the students have given in order to use them in the classroom. And they feel important. You mentioned that students uh, feel they need to feel important. Well, this is a, another way when they, uh, oh, my teacher paid attention to the, the piece of advice I, I, I gave her. How great. Well, this is important too, because we are working with human beings and there are emotions. And... Um, we need to have a, a very special relationship with them in order to be um, effective on both sides. The students feel, uh, feel happy if they are learning. And as a teacher, I feel happy if they are learning. So it's mutual. It's mutual. Of course. Aristotle once said, uh, educating mm -hmm. the mind with educating the heart is no education at all. Hmm? <laughs> yeah. And just to pick you up on the feedback aspect, um, that's something that is particularly interesting, I think, uh, to me. I think it's very difficult to know what kind of feedback to give students, individual, group, um, and when, as you mentioned before, you don't want to interrupt students to give them feedback about their uh, incorrect use of grammar. So there are other ways of doing it. What kind of things did you talk about when you had that discussion about feedback and what conclusions did you come to about the best way of giving feedback and the type of feedback you need to give learners, not students? Uh, yeah, um, well, it should be productive, of course, but it, it may be um, individual or, or it may be um, in groups. But uh, we, we have to start 
um, dealing with feedback um, with, with the whole class because students need to know what feedback is, the purpose yeah. of feedback. First of all, they need to know what it is, hmm? what's the function of feedback in the classroom. And when they discover feedback, huh, this is closely connected to metacognition. When they discover feedback, they start reflecting. So they go hand in hand. When they yeah. start reflecting, they analyze their own learning. And when they analyze hmm, uh, their learning, they try to improve it and to find what is necessary to make it better. So everything is connected in the classroom. So the thing is that you need to be a, a, an artist there and be able how to connect everything to give the students what they really need. Our main aim today is to give the students what they really need because they have been complaining for ages because they are saying that the, the type of education they are having is not nice. They do not like it. And they are studying to pass an examination. Huh? They are studying to pass an examination, not to learn. That's why they are students. Why? They, they, are, they are obliged to do that. The system is telling them, okay, if you do not study, you fail. You would have to do the course over or whatever. So the, 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 the system is very rigid. It's not flexible at all. That's why the students become anxious, get disappointed. They need another atmosphere. At the moment, this atmosphere can be provided by the teacher because the system is doing nothing. Well, let's make uh, the class um, a very beautiful place. Mm? Yes, that's important. Uh, a place that the learners want to be in is important as well. Um, that they don't feel uh, that they don't want to come to class, I think is important. They need to feel happy about being there with their classmates and with the teacher, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No doubt, no doubt. At the moment, many students, the thing is that at the beginning, uh, secondary students didn't like a school. Hmm? Mm -hmm. they, they considered it a prison. Then students, uh, college or university students uh, started complaining. And now students at primary school are complaining because I have listened to them. Hmm? Because I what? visited schools normally, and they say right. that they do not like it because the way they are taught, uh, repetition, for example, they do not make them think. Another interesting topic was, a hot topic was, um, is critical thinking present in your classroom? How? Critical thinking is crucial because we are preparing students for the future. They are the future citizens of the world. Mm -hmm. It's so important in the atmosphere today as well with so much sort of opportunities to receive information online, for example, yeah. that um, you need to verify. You need to just not accept that yeah. something is true, all the, the fake news, etc., and becoming even more important with the ease and way that artificial intelligence, for example, can create now images and video and text that okay. on the surface look like they're genuine um, they and authentic and perhaps are not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's so important. They also know, need to know to, to, to be creative. So creativity and uh, critical thinking going hand to, uh, together. One thing that I didn't mention, because you were talking about how, how schools can be creative, yeah. it can be um, um, updated. Yeah. Is when I, for in my opinion, I think that if they have the five C's of uh, 21st century education, the five C's, that is uh, communication, 
cooperation, creativity, critical thinking, and communication. They are the basic uh, um, uh, competencies students should know in order to become citizens of the world. So uh, if it, it teachers may start reflecting, okay, what kind of um, uh, competencies are we using at the moment uh, in my school? So it's simple. Hmm? If you, if one of them is missing, okay, start using communication is really very important today. We are uh, globally connected. Hmm? So students yes. need to know how to, to communicate effectively. Hmm? Of creatively, course. Critically. So as you see, there is connection everywhere in the classroom. Yes, definitely. Well, Patricia, I'm going to draw things to a close now. I want to thank you very, very much for agreeing to participate and being my first guest of 2024. I've really oh. enjoyed talking to you. And there's so much there that we've talked about that you could actually expand upon. Um, so I think there's a lot of food for thought there. So thank you very much. No, thank you for the invitation. It has been a pleasure for me to be with you. And it's always inspiring to find people um, or educators like you interested in changing the world. You are part of this movement too. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much, Patricia. Okay. And I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and uh, the rest of 2024 and beyond. Thank, thank you. you very much. Listen to you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. So thank you, um, everybody, for listening so far. You've reached to what you've reached the end of uh, today's show, the first of 2024. And um, I really enjoyed talking to Patricia Lara Arbona from Argentina about her thoughts and ideas about uh, educational change. I hope you did as well. Now, remember, there are lots of other Teachers Talk radio shows on all week. So I hope you will listen in live or listen to some of the recordings of some of my Teacher Talk, teacher talk radio colleagues um, and enjoy and learn from them. Until then, I would like to wish you a very good uh, rest of the week, wherever you are. Bet UK is just two weeks away. Are you ready to join 30,000 attendees, 600 plus exhibitors on seven content stages from 120 countries and see Louis Theroux, Dame Darcy Bustle, Jason Arday, Laura Carner, Baroness Luella Benjamin, Dan Fitzpatrick, Mr. PICT and so much more. I might need to bring my trainers. The best part? Educators go free. Get your ticket now at uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. 
Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the EtonX curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.